Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You're listening to Sci-Fi Wire from the Con, recorded live from the Sci-Fi Wire stage at New York Comic Con 2019. CC, how are we doing today? Make some noise. I'm Whitney Moore. I'm here with Sci-Fi Wire, and I am so, so excited to be sitting down with the Cecil Casalucci. Hi. Guys, one of my fave writers. You know her from so many comics. We're going to be talking about Batgirl, but first, I have to say... Female Furies, this this run that you did changed the way I view Granny Goodness forever. And we make jokes about it a lot on DC where it's like, you know, we had Ed Asner. We had, uh, Granny Goodness was always kind of like a, like a fun, funny villain that's kind of cartoony. No, she made it real. She made it spooky and sad and wonderful and complex and deep. And I would love to hear from you about what, how you wanted to approach that storyline. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, uh, me and Adriana Mello, the artist, we did a six-issue miniseries of the Female Furies. And Jack Kirby created the Female Furies for the fourth world. And they had never, they were always on the page. We all know Big Barda. Um, but they had never had their own book. And um, I was trying to figure out what to do after Shade the Changing Girl. And um, through a conversation that I had with Dan DiDio, um, you know, came upon this idea of like, what if you had a feminist awakening on Apocalypse and with Granny Goodness and the Female Furies, and what would that look like when you're in hell already to be in hell as well? And so um, one thing that Adriana and I really wanted to do was flashback to how Granny Goodness got to be as bad as she is. Because like, Granny Goodness is the only woman in Darkseid's uh, inner circle, and... Um, but she's given the mother role, you know? She's like the mother of the, the horror, the terror orphanage. So, um, so we really wanted to dig in deep on like how sad it would be to be the only woman in a group of boys that take over the world and then you're shoved off to the side. Yeah. And then you raise these women to be the female furies and they're pushed to the side. And Chills. what does that do? What does that do to you as a person? Um, so yeah, Granny Goodness was a delicious a delicious character to try to unpack. Yeah, and I think that people don't typically give her that credit, and that's sort of like a amazing one-two punch where it's like, well, guess who also doesn't give her credit? Her co-workers. Yeah. And guys, if you have not read this run of Female Furies, it is so good. Also, pick up Shade the Changing Girl, because <laughs> my goodness, I actually cosplayed for the first time in like a decade when I read Shade and I, oh. I like made the dress because it was last year at Comic-Con because oh, I was amazing. like, oh, anything psychedelic, I'm like, yeah. oh, this is incredible and that, Shade is such a great character. That was really fun to reboot. Shade the Changing Man was a character that Steve Ditko created and um, and I rebooted it through Gerard Way's uh, Young Animal imprint uh, as Shade the Changing Girl and that was super fun. Yes. Um, okay, but we are not here to talk about these things. <laughs> I am, it all I'm, leads up to. 
this Batgirl run is so, so fun. I love the way that you write, Barbara. Um, and I want to get into some, some, more, some more details about it. But first, I would just love to know, Barbara is such an iconic character, and I love your take on her. What was your approach when you decided that you wanted to write her? So, you know, Batgirl is an iconic character, right? I mean, she's not the, like, top-tier, like, Wonder Woman, you know, whatever. But she's up there, you know? I mean, she's very, very important. And I really wanted to, you know, I, so I always do homework whenever I, whenever I get a character. You know, I always, like, dive deep. What I really loved about her is how resilient she is, right? She's gone through a lot of trauma, family trauma, you know, with her mother being gone, leaving her, having a psychopath as a brother. Mm-hmm. Her father's the, you know, obviously Commissioner uh, Gordon. Obviously the Joker shot her. Uh, and uh, she became Oracle, which was, like, she's just constantly, she never says, like, I can't. She always says, how can I? Yeah. And her heart is always about helping people and helping Gotham and helping people to help themselves and She's always a hero, no matter what she does. I mean, even when she's a librarian, she's a hero, because in my opinion, librarians are heroes. Yes, they are. Woo! Yeah. (laughs) Shout out for the librarians. Um, Because, you know, that helps to save people as well. And when you even dive further back, um, in the Bronze Age, Barbara became a congresswoman. In her canon, she was the youngest congresswoman in America wow. in, like, a basically all-male Congress in the 1970s, you know, like, pushing, like, ERA and, like, feminist things. So even then, she was trying to be a hero in, like, a new way. So I looked at that and how resilient she is, how capable she is of reinventing herself at all times. And that was what I latched on to. Yeah, I love that she's also just a straight-up workhorse. Like, yep. she never stops the grind. She works for um, the congresswoman. Congresswoman Alejo, yeah. And it is, I, I love her grassroots work. Like, she's such yeah. an icon, and yeah. she's such a hero in so many ways. Yeah. Um, and that brings us to Oracle, who is the mm-hmm. big bad of this run. Yes. And I would love to hear about writing Oracle as this villain. Tell me about that. So it's really hard because, you know, obviously the original Oracle is Barbara as, you know, her superhero self uh, being the sort of eyes and ears and information network for everybody. So it's really hard when you're thinking about, okay, I'm going to take that great character. You know, obviously it's a robot. We know that. (laughs) It's a robot. (laughs) So it's not like her on the internet. It's not Barbara who's her own enemy. But what I liked about it is that Um, Barbara, Batgirl doesn't have a very big rogues gallery for herself. All of her rogues are usually Batman's rogues. So this was a real opportunity to give her um, a villain that really mirrors her, right? Because it springs from her. So it's almost like a Frankenstein. She created this monster, you know, like what lives on, you know, what, what, what ghosts live in the machine that like then come back to haunt you. And also when you're thinking about villainy, you're thinking about a villain that can um, mirror the, you know, so, and I always think like, well, who's your, who's really our worst enemy? Our worst enemy is ourselves. That is so emo. (laughs) (laughs) I did work with Gerard, you know? (laughs) So, (laughs) so, um, so that's what I was thinking of with Oracle. And I think it's very, it's very delicate because, For me, there are two separate oracles. 
there's Oracle the hero and there's Oracle the villain. And that's very important because both of those things can exist and both of those things can exist for Barbara, but it gives her, hopefully, if she survives the year of the villain, it gives her the opportunity for growth again, which is what she's so good at, reinvention. Yeah, and I love that Oracle Oracle is coming from a place of abandonment almost. Yeah. Like this is a consistent theme that you see in this run that Oracle's main motivation is that she was left behind. I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah, and in a way, I mean it's like you know, if you read um, the Benson sisters, uh, Birds of Prey, Batgirl and Birds of Prey, you know, she smashes Oracle because, you know, the, I can't remember his name now, I'm blanking, but this guy who took over uh, being Oracle while she was being Batgirl gets killed because Barbara put him in a perilous position because she was superheroing and she didn't want that to happen again. So she said, I have to kill Oracle. I have to, I have to move past this, you know? And it's always the things that you leave behind that are unfinished or unresolved that come back and, you know, haunt us. I just gave myself chills. <laughs> yeah, you're doing, this is great. This is great material we're getting, you guys. Um, that is not the only villain, though, that we get to see. I love the terrible trio. What a deep cut. What a great decision. Where did that come from, you deciding that you wanted to include these characters? So, Margaret Scott, who, um, who was the writer of Batgirl before me, in her last two issues, she had the terrible trio. You know, I thought it would be a good idea to kind of, you know, a lot of times when a new writer comes on board with a um, comic book, um, it's like, all right, we're going to burn everything that came before and, you know, not pay attention to any of that. And I'm going to do my own thing and like whatever with you. But I like Margaret a lot as a person. <laughs> She's my friend. And so is Hope Larson, who did it before her. And so... I think it's important to have a little bit of continuity there. So the Terrible Trio sort of gave us, gave me this opportunity to sort of have a little bit of continuity, but also in the, my first issue, there's Killer Moth. And if you know um, Batgirl history, um, that's kind of like when she becomes Batgirl is, uh, you know, um, is, uh, you know, when Killer Moth like tries to go after Bruce Wayne, you know, there's a really great uh, sort of reboot called uh, Batgirl Year One that um, so that was like a way of like nodding to her history and yeah. whatever. So. I love that he updated his whole suit and she's yeah. just like, shit. Well, <laughs> that was another thing too. And in a way that's sort of like, you know, she has not met Oracle yet. Uh, so she doesn't know what's coming, but obviously we, we know because <laughs> we're reading it. But, um, you know, I wanted her to think that she knows more than she does. She's very smart. She has an eidetic memory. She can remember everything. And so I wanted her to, you know, kind of be destabilized by the fact that, like, something that she thinks she knows and she's got handled, she doesn't have handled. Yeah. Speaking of not having a handle on things, let's talk about Jason. Oh. Because I'm so interested in this character. You guys, if you have read this comic, you know that Jason is this maybe love interest that has a huge crush, works with Barbara, um, but he kind of sucks. And I'm so curious about where this is going because I see, you know, there's a wonderful panel where she's just like, am I having feelings right now? But there's also another where she's just like, why do I feel like I owe this guy my time? And boy, who can't relate to that as a woman? (laughs) And I just, I'm so curious about where this Jason thing is going. 
So once again, going back to the Bronze Age, Jason Bard uh, is her first boyfriend that she has, like for the whole like in the Bronze Age, and he's like the best guy. He's a Vietnam vet, has a you know has a cane, super cool. Like doesn't know that she's Batgirl, but like he's amazing. Um, but then uh, when Rebirth happened, um, he uh, basically threw uh, Jim Gordon under the bus, put him in jail, and Batgirl hates him. Barbara hates him, and Batgirl actually threw him off a building, and that's why he has a cane now. So she hates him. And now they've been put together. That was Mergrid that did that. She put them together in um, Congressman Alejo's uh, office. And, you know, you know, look, I love Babs and Dick, you know, as a cup. I mean, who doesn't, yes. right? Yes. Nightwing and Batgirl? Come on. But as we know, he's off the table right now because he's, you know, he's Rick Grayson now because he got <laughs> shot in the head by the Joker. So, so I don't know. I mean, I do know, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> but I think that, uh, once again, it's all about underestimating who, who is in our life and seeing um, how people can have redemption yeah. and how they can change and if they can change. That was a wonderful way to tell me that I'm not going to get the answers that I want until <laughs> I pick out. When is the next issue coming out? Uh, I think it comes out in, like, uh, a November... F- 15th November-ish. November-ish. Guys, yeah. go pick it up. Read this comic run. It is so, so fun. Thank you so much for being here. Hashtag NYCC19 so I can stock your photos. Thank you so much, Cecil. Thank you. 